Welcome to Douglas Wilson's podcast. Before we get going, I wanted to make sure you were aware of Douglas Wilson's Productivity, a practical theology of work and wealth. We should not rush out to buy each and every new iPhone or fancy new gadget, but neither should we reject the new technology out of nostalgia for the good old days when people worked with their hands or starved. Instead, we are called to see modern technology as wealth and tools that we can use, whether for good or for ill. The key is wisdom and the ability to create the right habits and the regular discipline to use what we have been given. Get productivity today at canonpress.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is podcast 129. Whatever you're doing right now, driving down the road, I don't know, working out, listening in your earbuds, hi. This is my greeting to you right now. Hi. Welcome to podcast 129. As I'm recording this, it's just been um, a week or so since um, uh, Donald Trump ordered the uh, drone strike that killed uh, uh, General uh, Soleimani, uh, the Iranian general, who was uh, a key strategist, thinker, tactician, uh, principal bad guy among the uh, representing the Iranian regime. And he was, um, if you recall the circumstances, there was a uh, kind of a riot at our embassy in Iraq. And the, uh, the rioters were dispelled. The attack on the embassy was turned away. It didn't turn out the, way, the same kind of way it did in Benghazi. And then right after that, there was this drone strike. Soleimani, who is an Iranian, came into Iraq, and uh, the, the intelligence agencies of the president claimed that he was going to be engaged in imminent attacks on other American installations, etc. And so the drone strike took him out. Now, that, there, there was much debate and yelling and hollering about that. Um, the Iranians responded kind of because they had to. They launched a bunch of missiles at American bases in Iraq and didn't kill anybody, which meant that the thing wasn't going to escalate into World War III. Okay? Kind of looks like the Iranians made a point of not killing anybody so that it wouldn't escalate into a war that they would be unable to um, conduct, really, because they've been under crippling sanctions. Uh, they, their economy is, has got the staggers. Uh, things are not thriving. Thing, thing, things are not uh, prospering there, and they've got a hardcore Muslim regime. Now, uh, you remember there was a, an uprising during uh, Obama's administration, and it was eventually quashed. But in the aftermath, basically, I'm collapsing a bunch of things here. Uh, there was the attack on our embassy in Iraq. Then Trump ordered Soleimani to be killed with a drone strike, which he was. Then the Iranians responded by attacking a bunch of our bases in Iraq. Nobody was killed. So Trump could just basically say, I don't need to escalate this. 
We got your general, and you did not successfully retaliate. In the flurry of all that activity was going on, uh, Iran accidentally shot down a Ukrainian airliner that had just taken off from Tehran and was flying to Ukraine. Blew up the airliner, and uh, it crashed, killing everyone on board. And then after a few days, uh, the Iranians um, acknowledged that they had mistakenly shot uh, shot it down and apologized for having done so. The thing that is striking about all of this is that that has resulted in Iranian protesters filling the streets, protesting their own government. Now, here's the issue. You don't want, um, at least I don't want, our government to be in the business of toppling, toppling other governments. So you don't want to, uh, if, if you have a declared, avowed intention to replace a regime, then I don't think that that ought to be done unless uh, you go to Congress and, uh, and ask Congress to declare war, and they do declare war. Um, I don't think that we had any business going into Iraq, for example, and uh, taking out Saddam Hussein without a declaration of war. Let's say that the intelligence had been good, and there really were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and let's say that there really were uh, grounds for uh, a preemptive attack against Iraq. That ought to have been done with a congressional declaration of war, the way we did after Pearl Harbor. So uh, FDR went to Congress and said, Japan has attacked us, and I want a declaration of war. And he got one. So the Congress declared war. And then it's turned over to the president as the ex executive and the commander-in-chief to uh, execute the war. Now, with this uprising in Iran, and there are numerous reports that many Iranians are turning to Christ in different, uh, in different ways. The, the Iranian church is growing um, in a spectacular way. I don't want any kind of military operations that would topple a regime without a declaration of war. At the same time, if something like this happens, if you've got people filling the streets, the same sort of thing is happening in Hong Kong, right? So you have in Hong Kong, you've got the Chinese uh, filling the streets, protesting the actions of the Chinese, the mainland Chinese government. And in Tehran, it's looking like something might shape up the same way. That kind of thing should be encouraged, but not you. Know, you but you don't um, you don't encourage them with bomber squadrons without a declaration of war. You can be doing all kinds of things, back channel communication. Um, there, there are all sorts of things that could be done in the realm of encouragement. But that's as far as it should go. It should only be encouragement, unless and until. We uh, say we, are, we intend to replace one regime with another because we uh, are going to go to war with you. That's the only constitutional way to do it. So the word um, in our hamartiology section this go-round is asteriktos, asteriktos, A-S-T-E-R-I-K-O-T-O-S, asteriktos. It means unstable. And it's 
translated that way both times that it occurs. Both instances are found in 2 Peter, and the two uses shed light on, on one another. So, in the first instance, the word is used to describe the victims of false teachers. The false teachers, with eyes full of adultery, are on the hunt for certain gullible targets or marks. The unstable souls are the ones that are ensnared by the overtly wicked. So you've got these hard, uh, hard false teachers who are going after unstable souls. Second uh, Peter, two, um, verse fourteen, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. There, there our word is unstable, uh, unstable souls, and heart they have exercised, exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. So these are false teachers with eyes full of adultery. One time I had an encounter with uh, some representatives of a cult called the Children of God. And this was back in the Jesus people, uh, the Jesus people days. And the Children of God were led by a guy named Moses David. That wasn't his original name. He was a Christian Missionary Alliance pastor who veered off into bad, you know, weird, um, weird stuff, renamed himself Moses David, and the children of God were this hardcore Jesus people group. They were a cult. They were a cult. And I was interacting with a husband and wife um, team that were in the, basically in ministry with the children of God. And they had, um, in this particular situation, the husband had been given by the wife, sexually given away to, to a woman to, in order to recruit her into the, uh, into the children of God. Well, this is, this is what Peter is describing with eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. Um, and the thing that's striking about when, when I was talking to these people who had done this, who'd done this appalling thing, all right. Uh, they, the children of God actually had a, a tract where they described um, this doctrine. They called it flirty, flirty fishes for Jesus, I think is what they called it, um, where you could, use, uh, you could use sexual bait in order to recruit people into the group. And so a husband could give his wife um, to a guy to recruit him, or a wife could give her husband uh, to a woman to recruit uh, to recruit her with eyes full of adultery, they seduce, um, they seduce the unstable. The thing that was striking about this couple is very rarely, and I may, they may be the top of the list. They're definitely in the top three. Uh, I've never heard anybody who able to quote Bible verses like that couple could do. They just they could rattle Bible verses off. They were they were into scripture memory. And they had eyes full of adultery, seducing the unstable. The second use of um, asterictos comes up when Peter is talking about certain Bible teachers who have real trouble in handling the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Paul does say some difficult things, Peter grants. But then he says there's a particular kind of teacher who messes it all up. Ignorant and unstable souls, he says, twist Paul's teaching. The word for rest is strablao, which means to put something on the rack, an instrument of torture. Some pastors in the pulpit are not exegeting so much 
as they are giving another turn of the crank. <laughs> you put the you put the verse on the rack and you break all the bones. Second Peter three verse sixteen. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. There's a unlearned, ignorant, and unstable twist or rest, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Notice that Peter here is calling is equating Paul's letters that are hard 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 to understand some of them with he says the other scriptures. In the first use, the unstable souls are the victims, and in the second use, they are the perpetrators. Podcast 129, uh, we've come now to our book review section. Podcast 129, what is the book? Well, the book is called Range. The book is called Range, and it is uh, written by David Epstein. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, No, not that Epstein. Now, this Epstein, David Epstein, did not kill himself. Well, of course, neither neither did the other one. But David Epstein has nothing to do with the the other Epstein who did not kill himself. So range. What am, I got distracted. What am I talking about? Well, I serve on the uh, board of New St. Andrews uh, College. It's a wonderful group of men who meet four times a year. Uh, uh, some of the men are local. Some of the men are from other parts of the country. And four times a year, we all gather together. Uh, to conduct the to review the policies and evaluate performance and that sort of thing, the sort of thing that boards do. But the board of New St Andrews, one of the one of the habits that we've gotten into, and I think this is just a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful thing, uh, is that every um, all the board members read a book together uh, in between each board meeting. So when when we're we've got another board meeting coming up in February. And at this board meeting, we, we uh, read this book, Range. And, and so what we'll do is we'll, have a, we'll set aside a period of time at the board meeting to discuss the book and what takeaway, uh, what things we glean from it and how it relates to our oversight of New St. Andrews College and so on. Now, the reason we read this book is because New St. Andrews is a liberal arts education, and we turned our back on the modern system of smorgasbord majors. Today, you go not so much to a university as you go to a multiversity. And the multiversity is like walking through a cafeteria, uh, a deluxe cafeteria with all kinds of food choices. And the person ahead of you might be having macaroni and sausage and jello. And the person behind you has is picked up fried chicken and, and coleslaw and, you know, and you and you are in the middle doing something completely different. You can just pick out whatever you want to eat. And a lot of people go to college that way. They, they pick their major. They pick the classes. They, they select. They, they go through as though it's a smorgasbord, as though they're in a cafeteria pushing their tray down those sta- uh, stainless steel rods. New St. Andrews has one degree in liberal arts and culture. And that one degree means that we are, we are educating the college students at NSA we are giving them what might be called a very rigorous generalist education. All right, they they are not specialists. The, um, so when you when you have um, the system of majors, it's a system of specializing. 
So you have one person who's specializing, you know, they, they specialize in microbiology or someone else specializes in ag, ag econ or someone specializes in, um, in English or they specialize in philosophy. Well, we, we're offering one degree in liberal arts and culture, which means the kids have a general education, not a specialty education. Now, what this book range is about is it sh- um, he is showing in case after case, instance after instance, that people who are educated as generalists have a better time of it in making their way through life. Uh, in, if, in other words, specialty education, specializing in your education is not the best preparation for your specialty, whatever it is going to wind up being. Um, if, you, if you had a room full of a thousand people, okay, everybody in this room who graduated from college, please stand up. In, depending on the talk, depending where you are, you'd, you'd get a lot of people standing. And then if, and then if you said something, and if you, are, if you are currently working in the field that you majored in in college, please remain standing. The vast majority of those people would sit down. They, because the specialty training doesn't equip you for the specialty that you're going to be in. General training is a far better preparation for the particular choices that you're going to be making later on. This book, Range by David Epstein, is a, is a really good description of how that is so. I commend it to you.